Mike Seibert Radio is an independent podcast. The views and opinions expressed are those of the host and the guests only and do not necessarily reflect those of any broadcasters that any of us either have been, am now, or will be affiliated with. Enjoy the show! Welcome back to Mike Seibert Radio. I am your host. If you'd like to get a hold of me, I am at Mike Seibert Radio. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and write into the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. And the spelling on that, by the way, is S-E-I-B-E-R-T, exactly the way it sounds. Uh, This is the podcast radio show where I talk about stuff and things that are on my mind every week. It's a pop culture show from Seattle featuring interviews, independent artists, and occasionally more. Um, and I am still incredibly hungover after TFCon Chicago. I'm going to talk about my adventures last weekend at the world's largest fan-run Transformers convention in a little bit. Uh, but I also have two great interviews from the show floor I'd like to share with you, including music from a tribute album to the Transformers the Movie soundtrack. It's industrial music to cure cancer plus i have an exclusive sneak preview of the autopod decepticast panel recorded live on sunday all of that and more on this all new episode of mike cyber radio but first let's kick things off with some shout outs Okay, first of all, um, I, I got to give it up to Aaron, Ryan, and Caleb, the Autopod Decepticast. Um, I would not have pursued or even really considered going to Chicago for TFCon if not for them. Uh, it was uh, it, it was wonderful meeting them in person. It was it was great getting to know uh, Aaron's wife, Melody, and Ryan's girlfriend, West. Uh, they were all very, very awesome, and I'm glad I went and shared in this adventure with them and to uh, to be included in their presentation during the convention. It was it, honestly, it was, it was a real blast. Um, and I, I do want to take a second and thank everybody who attended that Sunday panel. It it really meant a lot to us. We uh, um we were thinking that there weren't going to be so many people there because, you know, it was one of the last panels of the day and the hour before the show floor closes. Um, and, you know, the, the, the room wasn't packed out, um, but it was a, it was a, a really fine, respectable turnout. And again, I, I'm, I'm grateful for everybody that showed up. And it seemed like a lot of folks had a really good time. Um, but uh, uh, speaking of, if if you were not in Chicago for TFCon, uh, that recorded show should be available next weekend as a special bonus episode of Autopod Decepticast. Now, uh, we're hoping to get together again uh, on a podcast soon uh, to talk about the panel and really kind of, um, oh, I don't know, the uh, the afterglow of the whole uh, TFCon experience because it was the first uh, uh, TFCon for 
for all of us. Um, and really, I think for the three of those guys, it was it was their first fan convention of any kind. And for me, it was uh, the first fan convention that I've traveled to. Uh, you know, being in Seattle, I've I I uh, I'm spoiled, and I have a lot of really great pop culture shows right here, and I've never really had um, uh, the motivation or inclination to uh, uh, travel uh, across the country for uh, something like this. So it was it, it was really kind of a special thing for um, for all of us. So uh, we'd like to get together and uh, uh, talk about that. It was uh, it was originally going to be a Saturday night hot takes episode, but you know, kind of as the weekend went on, um, it became more and more apparent that this was probably the better choice, you know, kind of get a little bit of distance, uh, reflect on it a little bit and, uh, and yeah, just, uh, come back and talk about it, um, at a later date. Um, we should be having that hammered out relatively soon. Uh, stay tuned. Um, I also want to shout out Paul, the, uh, the sound engineer, uh, for taking such great care of us during the panel. He, uh, um, he gave me a hand figuring out my, uh, brand new digital recorder, um, and, uh, uh, you know, to get the audio for the panel. And I also wanted to thank Chase, uh, one of the engineers that I uh, work with at the radio station, uh, helping me figure out kind of what I needed, uh, what I needed to pick up uh, the afternoon before I jumped on the plane. I I really appreciate the support. Um, also, we met APDC superfan Pizza Toss and Mike, uh, Mike the Motorcycle Guy, uh, Michael Andrews. Um, I, I have no idea if he actually likes those nicknames or not, but that's what Caleb and Aaron kept calling him respectively. Um, uh, but no, uh, uh, Mike's a huge supporter of both of our shows, and I uh, I really appreciate it. And he also gave us gifts. Um, he uh, he wrote a book, and he uh, gave us a copy of his uh, a book he wrote called Coming of Mage. Uh, it's a quirky coming-of-age story with a fantasy twist. It's John Hughes meets Lord of the Rings with all the swords, spells, and 80s music you can handle um and and that that sounds pretty rad uh you could buy it on amazon and i'll have a link in the show notes uh but i just i just thought that was really cool i had no idea that he was uh so uh prolific um and, and i'm really excited to get into that and start reading it you know uh probably right after i finish reading uh han solo and the kingdom of the crystal skull i mean uh han solo and the lost legacy i uh uh picked up a uh, a hardcover copy of that uh, a couple months ago at a at a, um, a used bookstore uh, out in uh, uh, Port Townsend when when Lucky and I were there for um, a while ago. Anyway, um, it's a it, it's I I haven't read the Brian Daly Star Wars stuff for a really long time, um, and I wanted um, a Han Solo adventure that wasn't Solo colon a Star Wars story. So I thought I would go back and check out these books and um yeah i i i need to read more of it and i will check back with you i I haven't read these since i was in high school but um it's a it's 
an interesting read uh, for uh, for a specific uh, moment in time. But um, uh, but we met a lot of other cool folks too at uh, at TFCon. Uh, kind of getting back to that, uh, you know, uh, podcasters, influencers, and fans. You know, like uh, uh, Bobby Skullface and Vangelis and others. But but I I, I wanted to shout out uh, Jeremy from the Transmissions podcast uh, specifically. Um, he uh, he rolled up to me. Very very early on, it was uh, probably late night Friday, um, and uh, introduced himself uh, straight away. I think he, uh, I think he actually recognized me before I recognized him, uh, which is uh, um, kind of a new experience for me. You know, it's like I've been around, you know, radio people and other podcasters, but um, again, as as I've said before, nothing really quite on this scale. So uh, for him to uh, take the time and and uh, uh, reach out both uh, figuratively and literally was was incredibly uh, uh, flattering and and also really cool, a really nice guy. And I wanted to thank him and Daryl and uh, Diecast uh, uh, from uh, Radio Free Cybertron uh, for coming out to the panel on Sunday. It was. Um, it it was really cool just kind of looking out into uh, the crowd and seeing um, several of these new friends that we had made uh, throughout the weekend. I know I know Aaron uh, from Autopod Decepticast has kind of been uh, networking uh, with a lot of these guys as well. But but again, it was just it was just a really cool experience um, to you know just kind of hang out in the hotel bar late at night um, and yeah just just getting to know these folks and hanging out and um there there's something unique and special about being there for one particular fandom now we all like different aspects of uh transformers you know whether it be the toys or the fiction or the whatever we're all there for different reasons but it, it's an experience I haven't had before where we're all kind of there for the same thing. It kind of, you know, uh, um, it, it, it's, I, I almost went into like a Yoda thing, you know, it surrounds us, it binds us, it penetrates us, and, you know, all, all that other stuff. Uh, I, I'm going to stop talking about uh, uh, penetrating and I'm going to move on. Um, uh, I also got some really great commissions from uh, the featured artists in Artist Alley uh, there at TFCon. And um, if there was ever any doubt that Soundwave is my favorite character uh, in Transformers, well, then uh, check out the pieces and photos that I've got up on my Instagram and Facebook. It was uh, it, it was weird, though. I, um, I, I've never ordered pre-show commissions before I was I was talking to uh, Yoshi from the uh, transmissions podcast about this a little bit and, it, and it's kind of funny a, a quick side note um, so he lives in Bellingham uh, here in Washington State and I live in a city called Federal Way now I I've heard uh, you know like on on Twitter and social media and stuff that oh well you know you guys should go kick it sometime or well you know you know Yoshi lives really close to you and and here's the thing um 
we we still live like 300 miles apart. Uh, Bellingham is very relatively close to the Canadian border, whereas I live about 20 miles south of Seattle. So there's uh, um, there's there's not a short distance there. But um, but you know I, I had uh, I had seen Yoshi uh, several times. Like uh, you know probably you know I I know I saw him at uh, um, a few Emerald City Comic Cons in the past, but that was before I knew who he was and really was uh, familiar with uh, the Transmissions podcast. Anyway, I uh, um, I, I ran into him and we just kind of, you know, uh, chatted and because I, I know he gets a lot of art commissions as well. Um, but anyway, I, I hadn't really kind of gotten into ordering commissions ahead of time. My move um, at Emerald City Comic Con was always like I had this uh, um, uh, square bound sketchbook and basically what I would do is I would go around to uh, the artists that I could um, you know usually there'd be a strategy to it. It'd be like one artist that I want to get to I beeline it, I give them my book Hopefully they get it done in a reasonable time. I get the book back and then I go find either like the next artist I want to connect with or somebody that I like that's available. It was a really stressful game. I'm I'm glad after uh, 15 years that that sketchbook is finally full and and uh, <laughs> maybe I'll find a, a different thing to do. But I um, um, yeah. So so the concept of uh, scheduling and networking ahead of time was uh, was a little different uh, for me. Um, and it was also kind of weird um, as the artist completed commissions to post them on social media but i'll also admit it's really cool seeing other fans responding to those pieces with the same enthusiasm i was like you know it 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 occurred to me uh somewhere along the way that um i'm like well wait a minute i'm uh asking for commissions of a character w- with basically no face you know Soundwave just has like you know a, a wrapper round visor so he doesn't have eyes and he's got a face plate so he doesn't have like a mouth or anything um, expressive um, and it was right about the time that both Alex Milne and Keizama were uh, posting pieces that they had done for other folks and both of those artists uh, uh, draw incredibly uh, detailed and expressive uh, 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 features on on uh, on their characters, like a uh, uh, friend of the show, uh, uh, David Cabal. He's uh, he's got an amazing uh, picture of shipwreck uh, from GI Joe that Kazama did, and you know he's you know got a big uh, big toothy smirk, and he's looking very swarthy and and all that. And I was like, how you know? How, wait a sec, maybe, maybe I've made a huge mistake, but no, all uh, all the pieces were um, uh, were just amazing and once I saw uh, people like uh, like it was like when Alex Milne uh, put up uh, the sound wave he did for me um, and I saw like several folks uh, mentioning that they thought it was really cool I'm like okay I feel a little more confident in my choice now uh, but yeah I mean like I said it, it's it's 
it is amazing how artists can put so much expression into a character that that again is is pretty much featureless. Um, so I got commissions from uh, Keizama, who's the artist on IDW's Optimus Prime series, um, Alex Milne, who's you know pretty much on the Mount Rushmore of all time great IDW Transformers artists, um, and uh, Josh Perez, um, who uh, prior to TFCon, I, I really only knew him uh, for his uh, coloring work as you know a colorist on the the IDW books. But he's a uh, he's a he's a really uh, he's a great cartoonist, and man, that guy is a blast to talk to. Uh, we uh, we just kind of riffed on stuff from uh, the '86 movie for a good handful of minutes. Like he, uh, you know. Um, yeah, I, I forget what it was. Oh, we we were talking about like different versions of the of the script and stuff that you know if he didn't he knew what he was talking about um, to where I mean it's not just something that you can just pluck randomly. You would have to have some uh, familiarity with that um, uh, that original version of Ron Friedman's uh, script uh, to know some of the things he knew. Um, uh, but also uh, Matt Moylan who's uh, uh, famous for doing the Lil Formers uh, uh, web series and cartoons uh, back in the day. Uh, he, he, uh, he actually did two pieces for me uh, one was radio host Soundwave, um, or uh, podcaster Soundwave, as I called him. It's uh, it's basically Soundwave, but he's wearing headphones and talking into a microphone. Uh, I thought that was uh, uh, really cute. Uh, but he also did a custom commission of Alternator's Hound, um, just uh, colored blue, uh, like my wife's Jeep. I thought that would be um, you know just just something neat uh, for Lucky to have because i uh she um she really likes her jeep and i uh i got an alternators hound uh figure not too long ago and i was like uh you know showing it to her and i was like well well take a closer look at like and it's like oh it's a jeep it's an actual jeep and and again alternators are the ones that were like the like the 124 uh scale kind of model cars that that also change into um uh classic transformers characters um i, I could talk about more about that at a different time I, I i think i've discovered that i've i've got a soft spot for that line for some reason because i've you know recently acquired like at least a half dozen figures uh from it uh some of them are butt ugly but uh um, a lot of them are really cool like uh like hound anyway um uh, that piece that he did, you know, it's basically blue hound, uh, the same color as my wife's Jeep. Uh, that was a lot of fun. And, and yeah, I was, I was just really happy, uh, with all of the art that I got. Um, and outside of that, um, as far as shout outs go, I just want to give some serious props to the entire TFCon staff and volunteers. Uh, they put on a really good show and, you know, having experienced it now, I, I see why they've been so successful now uh, for the last uh, 17, 18 years. And um, and finally, um, of course, I want to thank my lovely wife, Lucky, for uh, for all the support she gives me and for encouraging me to get um, um, a little outside my comfort zone. I, I wouldn't have actually seriously considered going to Chicago and going on this 
uh, adventure uh, without her backing me up and encouraging me. It uh, it really means the world to me. All right, my first interview is with the leader of a group of G.I. Joe costumers who had a really cool booth over at TFCon. Uh, but when I noticed the community outreach they were doing, I had to learn more. Check it out. My name is Ryan Brown. I'm the garrison commander for Central Defense, the Fighting Fifth. We're a garrison of the finest, a G.I. Joe costuming club. If you think about 501st and the way they do Star Wars, we do G.I. Joe. And what that means is we end up pairing with a lot of military charities. We've worked with USO and Wounded Warriors in the past, and this weekend we're here actually raising money for a group called Canines for Warriors. They rescue dogs from shelters, they train them up to be service animals, and then give them to veterans who need them for free. The neat thing is is that we get to raise awareness for them as well as thank anyone who donates with them. We've had a lot of really cool people in our group who've went out and made things like stickers, buttons, and other things, as well as really cool artists who've donated posters to us. So it's all our ways to give people a gift when they donate. So you can think about like, you know, the kind of Kickstarter tier things like donate a dollar, you get this, five dollars, etc. So no matter what you can donate, even if it's as low as a dollar, we have something to say thank you. And the really cool thing about it is that I get to be a big action figure while we do it. Uh, for me, G.I. Joe was such a big part of growing up and I was in the military for a while too, so you know, there's that connection as well. So getting out now and actually being able to give back to the people who didn't get out without perfect condition and stuff like that, it really means a lot to me. And tying those big strings of my life together really makes it worthwhile and I'm sure a lot of people in the group can say the same thing. Very cool. Um, so for folks that are listening at home, because because of time travel, TFCon is over, but for, but, uh, but for folks that would like to know more about The Finest and to help contribute, how can folks uh, get a hold of you on either like the internet or social medias or any uh, platforms uh, to track you guys down? Well, probably the easiest way is to look at our Facebook page, uh, The Finest Costuming Club, or The Finest G.I. Joe Costuming Club. You can probably find us really easy there. We also have a website, www.thefinestcc.com. Uh, if you're one of the people who are thinking about, you know, maybe I want to do a costume or something like that, you can actually look up the Finest Recruitment Center on Facebook, and that's a page that's dedicated to all the people who are trying to put together costumes and have what kind of tips and tricks that you can learn from other people who have done it before. So it's our way to help you get into the club. Otherwise, we're all over at shows across the country. I know for our group alone, we still have Grand Rapids Comic Con coming up next month, as well as Chicago Pop Culture Cons will be back here in the area. And it's definitely one of those things where there's more and more every day, so always worth checking. All right, well, uh, thank you for taking the time. And before I let you go, is there anything else that uh, you wanted to mention or give any uh, particular shout-outs to while I've got you on the line here? Oh, sure, sure. Um, I, I think the, the first thing that comes to mind is Hail Cobra! <laughs> I love it. I love it. Thanks so much. You're very welcome. Um, so I, I totally forgot to mention this earlier um, at the top, uh, but Ryan was cosplaying as Wild Weasel, uh, the pilot of the Cobra Rattler, one of my favorite Joe characters when I was a kid. A phenomenal outfit, too. Um, it's just a cool costume. It's, you know, it's basically it's a red flight suit with a lot of cool pockets and a weird map thing on. I, I never could figure out what that was supposed to be, but he's got like a like a blue neckerchief 
Schiff. You know, it's just like that that uh, almost kind of like a weird reverse Red Baron type of thing, and uh, uh, just a really cool helmet. But um, but for that interview, um, he did have his helmet on and uh, and spoke through a PA system. So that that's kind of why it sounds you know the, uh, the way that it does. Um, but I thought that was really cool because then since he's speaking with the PA, you know, people around us could kind of hear what he was saying also, in addition to me uh, recording it for the interview. Uh, but anyway, uh, for more information about The Finest, uh, the G.I. Joe Costuming Club, and specifically uh, the Central Defense Fighting Fifth, uh, check out the links in the show notes and like them on Facebook. Now, um, unfortunately, it looks like the closest garrisons of The Finest uh, to the Pacific Northwest here um, are the 45th Mountain Armory out of Utah and the 602nd uh, Desert Corps out of Arizona. So, yeah, unfortunately, not incredibly close to Seattle. Uh, but uh, chatting with this, these guys, uh, yeah, I mean, actually, you know, the thing that, that first enticed me over to their booth was they had uh, um, one of their uh, volunteers was in an amazing uh, movie-inspired Snake Eyes outfit, um, you know, with all, all the tactical gear and plates and pads and all that. It looked great. But he was sitting there uh, bebopping and listening to a boombox that was uh, a deco just like Blaster, uh, you know, the the Autobot boombox. And so I, I walked by... And I, I turned on my heel and then I walked back. I'm like, can I get, can I take a picture of you? Um, and as, uh, and as I got closer, I could hear that it's playing music, and it was playing uh, the Transformers the movie soundtrack. Um, I don't know if it was on cassette or if it was digital or really how the design of that boombox was, but it was uh, it was pretty large and and elaborate. And really, you know, um, you know, Ryan said it in the interview, but yeah, I mean they they definitely have like the same type of aesthetic as uh, the five hundred first uh, the Star Wars costumers, um, and it reminds me of the the group I've you know had contact with back here at home in Seattle you know uh, uh, the costume characters for causes and yeah just um, yeah yeah seeing uh, I I like cosplayers because it's like it, it takes you know a fandom to a new level where you know you're doing uh, handcrafting but there's also like you know networking involved and getting uh, support from your friends and all that it's just uh, uh, really really cool uh, check them out. Uh, the finest, uh, the GI Joe Costuming Club. Next up, I had the opportunity to talk to a person who shares two passions in common with mine: independent music and Transformers the movie. But more than that, he's got a great story that I found pretty damn inspiring. My name is Jim Simonic. I run the Distortion Productions label out of Pittsburgh. And uh, we specialize in electronic and industrial music and uh, dark wave, anything. It's, it's such a broad term, but it can encompass a lot of different things. We, uh, we've signed uh, a number of bands. We started the label in about 2012, 2013, around then. And uh, we have about 40 releases. We've worked with Anesh from KMFDM. We've released two, two solo records from him. Dark Clan from Milwaukee, Tenek from the UK. MTR Park from Denmark, 
uh, our newest artists are Trade Secrets, which is F.J. DeSanto. You might know uh, F.J. from the writing on the Power of the Primes uh, web series. Uh, he, he wrote some of that. And uh, my own band, Red Locust, from Pittsburgh. Um, and uh, the main project that I, I, I do, aside from the label, is a, a project called Electronic Saviors, Industrial Music to Cure Cancer. Uh, it's a series of box sets uh, featuring exclusive tracks of bands all over the world um, uh, to raise money for cancer research. And uh, I do usually a box set every two years. I started in 2010 after being diagnosed in 2008 with uh, a stage three colorectal cancer. Um, so I'm celebrating uh, just last month. I celebrated uh, 10 years. Um, uh, cancer-free. Thank awesome. you so That's much. Awesome. Thank you. And uh, I love Chicago. I have nothing but love for this city. Um, I consider it my second home. Um, and uh, with uh, here at TFCon, being here and um, being around such amazing people, uh, we are unleashing the Constructed Cold Respect the Prime EP, which is uh, uh, a few songs that are... Uh, basically a tribute to the IDW comics universe where where a band had to read a graphic novel um, or a single issue depending um, on what assignment I gave them and then they would uh, read the issue or the story arc and then write a song based on it um, but the original idea for Respect the Prime was when we covered the uh, the 1986 Transformers the movie soundtrack with yeah. all industrial bands, and it, it remains to this day my bestseller on the label. Uh, people hear it at TFCon, gobble it up, and uh, Constructed Cold looks like it's going to be a hit too. So, uh, so yeah, um, that's that's the long and short of it. Very cool. So um, I, I noticed that you have uh, some Transmissions merch, and oh. their, their stuff is um, all over uh, Constructed Cold. Oh, yes. Can you talk about them and uh, your partnership with them? Because they're, uh, they're a great show and a, and a great bunch of guys yes. I've gotten to know this weekend. They are they are very much indeed. Uh, they've become very, very dear friends. Um, uh, I adore those guys uh, tremendously. I'm kind of sad that Charles wasn't able to make it, but I, I saw him just before I left to come here. Uh, I had to transport a giant tryptocon for Daryl. <laughs> uh, so uh, we we first met basically how you would meet those guys, which was uh, I started listening to their podcast after they got that petition to uh, to continue the animated show. Right. Remember that? Like yeah, they yeah. don't they don't talk about that too much anymore, but uh, um, I signed that petition and then started listening to the show, probably close to when they were around their 60th episode, 50th, 60th. Oh, so you go and way back. Yeah, and uh, so this was probably... I, I started dating my current girlfriend, Emily, um, around the same time, and I was like, you have to listen to these guys. They were uh, hilarious. They know what they're talking about, and they're very endearing. And... Uh, uh, and I contacted them through the website and just started, you know, uh, posting comments through there. And they got in touch. And this was in 2015 when Ant-Man was in theaters. Sure. And they invited me to come see Ant-Man with them. And we had dinner. And uh, it was right before a TFCon Toronto. And uh, we shared a table. Wait, no, that was... Was that 2015? No, that was that was uh, that was. I just went to that con just to hang out. I wasn't oh, sure, doing. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. doing this yet. But uh, I just seemed to really hit it off and connect with them. Um, uh, you know, I've met Yoshi 
that for the first time at that dinner and uh, Jeremy lived in Pittsburgh at the time uh, Charles still lives there um, Jeremy's in Madison now but uh, seeing him here is, is awesome and Daryl I met up in uh, Canada uh, at the Toronto and uh, they, they've just been awesome people so when I, I put out the the 86 movie tribute I was like look you know I really want to get you guys out there a little bit more and since we are an internationally distributed record label yeah. this release is going to be all over the place like you could stream it anywhere it's on Spotify it's on iTunes it's Amazon it's everywhere um, the convention edition has two tracks that you can't get on those services. It's exclusive to the physical record, but um, uh, just please don't ask me to do vinyl for it, because <laughs> that will bankrupt the label. Yeah. But uh, essentially, um, yeah, they've they've been really strong supporters of of the record, and uh, and so I was like, well, can I can I put the the logo that that Crystal did? the K-Girl uh, did on, on the on the album and uh, and they were like yeah sure and I was like well with with the upcoming we're going to do a full length next year based around the same concept as Constructed called Casey Collar John Paul Beauvais are going to, to sign on again and do the artwork um, and uh, and that'll be more IDW and Marvel comic story songs nice. um, so it, it's just a, a matter of uh, how fast the bands can turn it around but it looks like we'll probably sure. have that for TFCon next year wow. and uh, and the transmissions guys I want them I, I told them I wanted them a little bit more heavily involved this time sure um, just uh, on a on a support level um, I think they're they're fantastic and I think they uh, they they're a great show and they just had their 300th yep. episode so yep. uh, five year anniversary yeah. not too long ago exactly and... so yeah I have nothing but good things to say about those guys Awesome, very cool. So, uh, um, switching gears just a little bit, um, obviously you're the owner of a record label, mm -hmm. and so I was wondering, as a music guy, as a label guy, what's kind of your take on just the current state of music? Like, I, I remember uh, you had a couple customers at the table here a moment ago, yes, and they were talking about you know digital versus physical oh. media and just uh, well, when you when you get into that stuff, you you have you're, you're assuming that there is still a record industry, which there really isn't. <laughs> That's fair. That's uh, why I wanted to ask. I've heard you know I've heard quotes from Warner Brothers executives, uh, you know, just saying rock music is dead and it's never coming back. Right. You know, with with what um, the the youngest generation out there right now and what they're listening to, I can't imagine not having a band like I don't know a, a Metallica or a Rolling Stones right. or Rush or or Tom Petty. You know, to go to an arena show like that, even bands like Smashing Pumpkins sure. or, you know, Soundgarden, rest in peace, Chris Cornell, you know, to ha have like those bands that were, you know, first broke when I was in high school, yeah, you know, yeah, so I'm same. dating myself, uh, but that was early 90s, and where are the bands like that now there are no new ones right. I, I think even like if you if you talk about bands like maybe 21 pilots or my chemical romance those bands have still been around for a while right there are no new rock bands that are ever going to reach the status of a Metallica or a, yeah. you know play playing arena shows like that exactly. you know smashing pumpkins they're still playing out you know uh, so physical versus digital media there will always be a market for CDs 
it's a small one. Yeah. But there are collectors and music lovers that like their their physical product. Mm-hmm. Um, so there will always be that. It's just it's diminishing. Yeah. See, and I guess my take on it, and this is, you know, we, we talked about dating ourselves, yeah. but uh, I have a CD player in my car. Yes. So therefore, I will buy CDs, so I will play CDs. I mean, if it's got like a digital code or something like that, yeah. fine. You know, or something I could stream on my Spotify, cool. Yeah. But currently, my car is old enough to where it's not connected to my Spotify, so I'm I'm just going to keep listening to my CDs. Now, I, I bought a 2017 Hyundai two years ago in 2016 when the 17s just came out. Sure. No CD player. Really? Yes. Wow. It so just has inputs for, like, uh, USB. That's, wow. That's it. And it's, you know, dash cam and, you sure. know, high-tech, you know, stuff like that. But I'm, I said to the dealer, I was like, what? There's no CD player? <laughs> I'm like, I work in a record store. Oh, what am I going to no. do when I buy something new and I want to listen to it yeah. on the way home? Can't do that anymore. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, it's already happening. Yes. That's crazy. Yes. So, so I mean, you it, it was an option to get. But I would have to pay an arm and a leg extra sure, to get, like, sure. you know, pay, pay for, you know, what wouldn't have amounted to, you know, it, it wouldn't have made sense to pay all the extra money just for a CD player. I was like, you know, much different than going to Best Buy and having them install one for 200 bucks versus right. paying 600 extra bucks for just to have that option with the car. Exactly. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So. Um, so, uh, uh, last question, looping it back around to uh, the, the the thing that, that caught my eye, that brought me to the table, was Transformers the Movie soundtrack. Yes. That's, um, <laughs> you know, uh, fans of my show, and I'll share this with you now, it's, it is my favorite movie. Oh, yeah. It, it, it is my Desert Island movie, and the soundtrack goes in hand with that. It's something that's very special to me and very important, as obviously it is to you yes, as well. Yes, yes, absolutely. But uh, what's your favorite song off of the soundtrack? My favorite song would have to be Instruments of Destruction, and I'm, yeah. I'm biased because I did the vocals on it. <laughs> okay, all right. I worked with a band from Vancouver called Death Proof on that song. Um, but that scene in the movie... Now, Transformers the movie, yes, it is uh, in my top three. Sure. Infinity War just dethroned it. That's fair. Um, but if you look at those two movies, very similar yes. in tone. You're absolutely... Very and, similar. And there's even some beats that are similar. Yes, yes. Like, but like spoiler of uh, Vision Turns Gray. Yes. And, you know, just, just there, there's, there's winks and nods all over that movie. I am very, like... I read Infinity Gauntlet when I was 15. Sure. So waiting for to see Thanos on the big screen, I was I was begging, I was begging, I was like, please, please let him get all six and snap his fingers, please. (laughs) And then like when she blew the vision up, and I remember, uh, can I can I curse on this show? Please, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) When we were sitting there in theaters and we were so loud, I feel bad for the people in front of us. but when we were, when we were, uh, you know, my buddy sitting next to me and my girl on on my left side, and vision blows up, I went, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
<laughs> and then I didn't think of it. I was like, he's got the time stone. Oh, and I was like, oh, and I was like, I was like, yes, yes, it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. Please, please, please. And then oh, Thor comes out of nowhere. And I'm like, no. <laughs> Let him at least do it. Yeah. So I'm kind of dreading Avengers 4 because uh, of all that stuff is, you know, probably going to be undone in some capacity. And yeah. the, the dude worked so hard, yep. you know. I, I, I respect, uh, you know, the Russo brothers for, you know, but that's a bit off subject. But, it's fine, but yes, yeah. definitely very similar uh, uh, story beats uh, mm-hmm. in those movies. So I'm with you on uh, Transformers the movie. I was 10 years old. Uh, saw it in theaters, yep. but I wasn't one of the kids that was upset by Prime's death. I'm more of a Decepticon. Okay, fan. all right, all right. So when Galvatron came back and yeah. disintegrated Starscream, sure. that was the the moment in movie history that I tre- I treasured the most because I was yeah. finally someone that won't deal with his bullshit. Yeah. Because yeah. we dealt with Megatron putting up with it for two years yeah. in the cartoon, which yep. they couldn't kill people in the cartoon. Right, right. You know, uh, much. I mean, they tried to do that with Jetfire, right? Skyfire. Yeah. You know, at one point. That, that was a whole other yeah, yeah, thing. Yeah. Very strange. But, yeah. Uh, but yeah, essentially, being 10 years old and seeing that movie, and you still watch that movie. And the animation holds up. Oh my god, yeah. Like that whole opening scene where Unicron devours Lithone. Yeah. It's still watching it blows my mind every time. Um, but uh, I absolutely adore it's the amazing. movie still. So uh, I was thought, you know, what can I do to transfer my love of industrial and electronic music and my love of Transformers is to license officially all those songs. We actually did reach out to Hasbro and tried to get them involved, but they told me no. We actually have a rejection letter from Hasbro. Really? Yes. That's almost a badge of honor in its own way. Yeah, kind of. It, I, I still have the email. <laughs> <laughs> I kept it. <laughs> so uh, Because they at least responded. But yeah, yeah. That's I mean, uh, it, it was BotCon 2016 okay. in Louisville. The last BotCon, Stan Bush and Vince Stacola were there. Wow. So I stood up at their panel uh, during the Q&A, and I was like, hey, here's what I'm doing. Would you guys be okay with that? And they were like, it's a great idea. I gave them both copies of the demo. At that point, there was no sure. artwork. It was just a CDR. <laughs> I was like, this isn't even masters, mastered, guys, but yeah, uh, I want you guys to at least hear what we're doing. That's really so, cool. That's but, uh, amazing. So um, so as we wrap up, because I'm, I'm sure we've got a commerce to do, um, um, any uh, particular shout-outs or any love or anything that you want to mention that we haven't mentioned yet? Um, if I mention his name, um, I might choke up a little bit, but, you know, being here in Chicago uh, is a... Uh, a very special thing for me. I, I lost a, a very dear friend named Corey Devlin um, from uh, the band Dead on TV, and they were actually the band that was slated to do the main theme on the on the Respect the Prime soundtrack. Sure. But Corey got so sick, and he had the same thing I did, and he was ten years, almost ten years younger than me. So it does not make sense that I'm here and he's not. Um, so I want to shout out to him. Absolutely. Uh, about a month ago, I was vending at the Cold Waves Festival at the Chicago Metro. Sure. And um, my friend Jessica uh, Lasiak 
came down to my merch table and she said, I got you 30 seconds of stage time. I'm like, 30 seconds? It's like, what am I going to do with 30 seconds? So she was like, just get up there and, you know, introduce yourself and, uh, you know, talk about Electronic Saviors. So yeah. I, I, I I was like, well, I need at least two minutes to acknowledge some people. And so she was like, well, you are you go up between Author and Punisher and Hellbound. So I went up there okay. and uh, I, you know, greeted the crowd, thanked them, and I, I acknowledged some people. And then when I got to Corey's name, I choked up and I couldn't get through it. Jared from Chem Lab was right over my uh, shoulder. He was like, you can do it. And, uh, you know, so I said it, and I thanked everyone for coming, and I turned to leave, and Jared comes walking towards me with a sort of binder in his arm, and he took the mic from me, and he was like, don't go anywhere. And he, this is all on YouTube. Sure, okay. Uh, so there's a bunch of different angles of this. Yeah. You get to see me ball my eyes oh, out in front of 1,500 man. people because they knighted me on stage in front of everybody. No way. He had, like, about 90 people, Jessica included, yeah. got together behind my back, threw in the money. So I am now a knight of Sealand. Okay. Uh, which is uh, off the coast of the U.K., uh, you have to buy land. It was explained to me you have to buy <laughs> yeah. land, so I now own a square foot of land oh in, in Sealand, uh, and I'm a knight now, so you can call me sir. <laughs> I, don't tell, I don't really, you know, it's that not it. something to really talk, you know, what, what am I going to say, a brag about being a sir? I, uh, I don't know, it's just very, very strange. It was a very surreal moment, and that stands out for me, but... It's all for Corey. It's all for him, and uh, I'll get emotional if I talk about yeah. it anymore. But uh, thank you so much for at least letting me. Absolutely, that's a wonderful place to leave it. As uh, as we close out, can you let folks know where we can find you on the internet, oh, and yeah. social medias, and any other outlets that you want to direct people to? I am Jim Simonic on Facebook, um, Mr. McNimmers on Twitter at Mr. McNimmers. Um, I'm not on Twitter a whole lot, but the website for the latest is uh, www.distortionprod.com it's P-R-O-D um, and uh, you can get all of our stuff there uh, our Bandcamp site is very active um, and uh, uh, yeah I think that's pretty much it it's just the, the website and, uh, and Facebook you know I'm, I accept uh, strange friend requests all the time <laughs> as long as you're not one of those bot accounts that's going to uh, screw up the, uh, the election Right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, thanks so much for having me, oh, man. You're very it's welcome. amazing, amazing. Thank oh, you. All right. Thanks a lot. And thanks for the support.
Instruments of Destruction, performed by Death Proof, featuring Red Locust and vocals by Jim Simonic, off of the Respect the Prime 1986 Revisited album, and you're listening to Mike Seibert Radio. And if you thought the original versions of those metal songs were heavy, woo buddy. And uh, I actually wanted to share with you also uh, the track that got me to the table uh, to begin with. You know, I saw that there was uh, CDs, and I remembered vaguely from uh, Transmissions, uh, uh, the Transformers podcast, they mentioned something about the uh, uh, Constructed Cold EP, um, and that that was going to be at TFCon. And so, yeah, so I saw it, I rolled up, uh, and, you know... uh, you know, Jim was really good with the with the crowd, and he asked me, first thing he asked me was, uh, you know, what my favorite track from the 1986 Transformers the Movie soundtrack was. Now, obviously, for me, it, uh, it, uh, it shifts and changes often, uh, not unlike a transforming war robot. Uh, but no, I mean, uh, some songs I like more than others at different times. Uh, but I think my favorite track uh, to kind of blow the dust off of and to you know kind of revisit when I really kind of want to get in that in that Transformers Demolition Derby headspace well it's got to be Hunger so here's a taste of that performed by Bella Morte out of Virginia covering the classic from Kick-Axe or Spectre General or whatever. This is Hunger, sneak preview of the APDC panel and more coming up next. Stick around. about Distortion Productions and Electronic Saviors Industrial Music to Cure Cancer at their websites. There are links in the show notes as well as a link to that video of Sir Jim Simonic being knighted. Now, uh, you've heard me talk about a couple songs off of uh, Respect the Prime 1986 uh, Revisited, but I haven't talked about uh, Constructed Cold, and I'll be honest, it's because it's still in the cellophane. I haven't opened it. I haven't listened to it, and um, I'd like to tackle that more in depth um, in another episode. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm, re- I, I love the concept. I'm really looking forward to it. But um, you know, you heard, uh, you heard Jim mention it in the interview. Um, you know, 1986 revisited is its hottest seller, and um, because yeah, I mean that that's on t- that soundtrack is great, and 
I hadn't heard a full cover album before. Um, so I, I'm that's that's what's spinning around in my CD player to and from uh, work currently. <laughs> Um, so before I roll the preview of the Autopod Decepticast panel, and and again, that should be dropping on their feed next week. Uh, listen on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and TuneIn, and their website is autopoddecepticast.com. Um, I have a surprise for you. Uh, there was a panel right before ours at TFCon uh, featuring Rick Alvarez, um, who's an author and was uh, the Transformer creative manager at Hasbro and he spoke um, really quite openly and frankly about some of the things during the Michael Bay movie era Um, now this audio technically isn't mine Um, it belongs to TFCon and I'm sure they'll be presenting it like as a video on their YouTube channel or um, some other place Um, I just happened to uh, have some of this recorded as we were getting set up for the APDC panel. Uh, But I thought it would be fun, since I had it, uh, to share some of what I've got, including a question from none other uh, than our good friend, Michael Andrews. Check it out. Okay. I see you in the back. Of course it's all the way in the back. Okay, so I see Mike in the back. Do I see anybody else? I've always wanted to know if uh, at the end of Revenge of the Fallen... When uh, Optimus combines with Jetfire and Jolt does the job, was that a nod to Armada? No, that was, hey, there's a really cool car called Volt coming out. Let's give this guy something to do in the two scenes that he's in. That is where that came from. Fair enough. Uh, And the the first time I saw the artwork for Optimus and Jetfire, it was the final artwork for Optimus and Jetfire combined like flying over the pyramids. I think it was the week before the first movie came out. That's how far in advance they were working on it. Thank you. You know, um, I have a big problem with all these crossing the brands. Why? I mean, so, I, I, I don't like it. I'll be honest with you. I, I don't like it at all. I mean, I, I get it what they did, what Marvel did back in the 80s with G.I. Joe and Transformers, but... Trying to, I know that it's their brand, but trying to create a universe and then from there spin it off? Why, dude? So it's a great way to launch something by taking a popular brand, putting in a little nugget of something else, and then seeing how well people react to that. It's a great launching pad. It's it's a very affordable launching pad. True, but... um, You know, as a kid, you know what, I'm going to back up. So, Joaquin, anybody watch Voltron on Netflix? Joaquin directed G.I. Joe Resolute. And I pitched him a story, and we did some test animation for this. I kid you not, we did some in-house test animation for this. I pitched him a story of G.I. Joe versus Transformers. And the way it opens up is, you're on a plane, red light goes off, you, Wild Bill is at the helm. You've got Duke and Snake Eyes and Stalker and Scarlet. And uh, this was John Bresman, Andy Schmidt, and myself put this together. And Tyler Scarlet, who's now at Lucasfilm, did the animation. And the red light goes off and they all jump. There's 
stuff blowing up around them, clouds whisking through them, and as the clouds part, then you see Cybertron. It was them invading Cybertron, because Optimus had called them there, because Cobra Commander had built his Terradrome around Shockwave's base, and, and then the Dreadnoughts were like cyborgs. And G.I. Joe is a complicated issue, because G.I. Joe is a baby war brand. It cannot compete with Halo. It cannot compete with Call of Duty. Those are very violent and aggressive brands. That is not what Hasbro is. So there are restrictions on G.I. Joe, which is why I think it's good that they're going with the Snake Eye story angle for future film development. The G.I. Joe team wanted the crossover. We wanted to do toys, transforming toys, where G.I. Joe figures can fit in them. The Transformers team didn't need it. Transformers, the worst-selling Transformers sold 10 times better than the best-selling G.I. Joe. They didn't need it. And it, the only thing that ever came out of it were those San Diego Comic-Con exclusives. Okay, this was actually asked by one of my friends. But was there ever ideas for Rumble and Frenzy, or Frenzy Rumble, in the Bayverse or Primeverse? Was that ever brought up? No, no, there was... No. Hard no. Hard no. Yeah, there were toys, but those toys for Rumble and Frenzy were based off an MMOG from China, I believe NetDragon, which never came out. Uh, I was fortunate enough to go to China for, for two weeks, work on the game, and then it never came out. So, uh, Thundertron was in that game, uh, Rumble Frenzy were in the game, Ironhide was in the game. That's where that Ironhide came from, that I think it was Sergeant Cup in the US. All right, this is a <sighs> hypothetical. Uh, since you were involved with a lot of the media, if you were going to do a Transformers 7 movie, if you were involved in it, and you already had that Easter egg of Unicron being planet Earth, how would you attack that story because you can't blow up the Earth? I would get the crew from the last stand of the Wreckers to go in and kill the spark of Unicron. And in doing so, the H die. And I would get Nick Roach and James Robert involved. Okay, who's, who else was there? Okay, there was Mike in the back and Josh over here. Okay. I think they're actually asking for high fives. I don't think they have questions. Uh, so earlier you mentioned how uh, a lot of the other uh, characters in Transformers Prime got upgrades in Beast Hunters, and we saw that in the toys, and the toys seemed to have some influence of uh, Beast Wars characters. Was there any plans to actually do repaints as those Beast Wars characters? No, but now that you say it, it would have made a cool Bakon set. Yeah, I did hear that they had plans, but... Yeah, no, no, no. That's a good idea. So we ended up in Transformers Prime with Arachnid having this weird hypnotic control over all our Insecticons and then getting the zombie vampire virus thing and then all of them getting stranded on the moon. What was the plan going forward with that idea? So there was a definite plan. So before the final episodes got drastically reworked, the idea was that Megatron was going to find her on the moon 
and he was going to take her as his queen. And together, they would lead an army of zombified Insecticons to Cybertron to invade and wipe out everyone except Knockout. Make his bride. Make her his bride. Uh, would he have survived? I don't know. Have you ever been married? I have. I'm still on my first one, but geez. Hey, Thank you so much. What we got? One last question. Oh, one last question. So, with the Prime toys when they first came out, you had these like first edition versions, and then you had the regular. Like you almost remade another RC, another regular Bumblebee, and stuff like that. So was that like because you weren't happy with the first ones, you made second ones, or just Russian production? No, we were super excited about the first ones. But at that point, uh, the contract between Hasbro and Takara had been renegotiated. And there was still fallout from the Revenge of the Fallen Optimus Prime. Being at, Have you ever tried to transform that thing? You know how many letters we got from parents? That toy, in conjunction with rising cost, oil, plastics, manufacturing, labor issues, and at the time, the contract with Takara and Hasbro had to be renegotiated. It was renegotiated for less parts in the toys, which led to more uh, intuitive transformation. Hey, guys, thank you so much. I, uh, I want to leave you with a few words. Look, we're, we're all different. We all come from different places. Let's... We all have our own ideas. Let's try and find the, the area in the middle where we can all agree and be kind to each other. All right, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you for coming. Our next panel is Dissecting Transformers the Movie, the 1986 one, one minute at a time. Okay, so this is it, folks. The thing that you've been uh, uh, listening to the entire episode for, uh, theoretically, or at least the way I was hyping it. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, this uh, this next clip is uh, actually part of the trivia game uh, that I hosted during the dissecting the 1986's The Transformers the Movie One Minute at a Time panel presented by Autopod Decepticast uh, that we did uh, Sunday at 3 p.m. Uh, during TFCon Chicago. Enjoy. Who wants to play? Oh, yeah. you're close. I'm going to you next, but I see you over there. You're next. <laughs> How are we doing on time? Uh, we're good. We are at uh, 3.48 right now. Wonderful. What is your name, good sir? Uh, Diecast. Where are you from? I'm from uh, right outside Philadelphia. Uh, what's uh, been your favorite thing about TFCon so far? Uh, just uh, interacting with the fans, meeting new Meet new people, meeting Aaron. Uh, been a been a good convention for uh, meeting people. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, we uh, we say that this podcast is it, it's about this dumb movie, but it's a uh, it's my favorite movie of all time but uh, <laughs> but no it's it really is a podcast about friendship and that's the experience we've all had here at TFCon we've met so many cool folks and the support from everybody has just been phenomenal I it, it's in an incredible community and we're glad to be a part of it let's uh, let's Absolutely. move on to your um, voice actor who will be <sighs> Roger C Carmel best and mustache ever that, that's oh man He's, a, he's got some jewels, too, going on there. All right, so Roger C. Carmel, he was the voice of a variety of Transformers, uh, but most notably Cyclonus. Uh, Roger C. Carmel is best known for playing Witch, 
spacefaring con man in the original Star Trek series and its 1970s animated counterpart. He played this character a good couple times, actually. Is it A, Harry Mudd, B, Q, three, seven of nine, or four, one? <laughs> I think that's an I, but it doesn't matter. It's a stupid answer anyway. I think it's a one. Aww. That's uh, pretty tough, but I think I'm going to go with the A, Harry Mudd. Yeah, man, you know what's up. You know what's up. Classic, classic character. Enjoy your prize. We will move on. You had your hand up. Let us continue. <laughs> and continue we did. Uh, now, again, don't miss the entire presentation next time on the Autopod Decepticast. And I promise you, Aaron, Ryan, and Caleb put on a great show. I um, I just wanted to share some of my part um, because I'm, I'm just impossibly vain. And uh, uh, But no, uh, we're, we were all uh, very happy with it. And as I was doing... Uh, downloading and processing the audio from uh, my digital recorder, um, you know, I was just listening to it, and the audio quality uh, specifically for their portion of the panel, which is the vast, vast majority of it, it's phenomenal. I, I You heard a little bit of a crunchiness there. I think it's either like their wireless microphone or the way that I was talking into it. Um, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, th- there's... You'll hear a couple crispy spots, and uh, they're almost entirely all mine. So I uh, I blame me. Okay, last item before I get out of here. Um, at the close of TFCon Chicago last Sunday, uh, uh, the next TFCon USA was announced, and it's in LA, and it's in March. And I'm uh, I'm really mixed on this. Uh, TFCon USA 2019 dates announced March 15th through the 17th in Los Angeles. Thousands of fans from around the world will converge on the Los Angeles Marriott Burbank Airport Hotel and Convention Center. Christ, those venues are a mouthful to say. Anyway, the uh, um, uh, the Los Angeles Marriott Burbank airport hotel and convention center uh, to participate in TFCon USA 2019, a three-day colossal Transformers event to celebrate the 35th anniversary of the Transformers franchise. Again, that's happening March 15th through the 17th, 2019. Uh, The show will feature a myriad of guests, voice actors, artists, writers, and toy designers that contributed to the Transformers universe since 1984. Uh, There will also be a variety of Q&A panels, autograph sessions, workshops, and costume contests all weekend long. We were absolutely thrilled to bring this show to Los Angeles County, says TFCon founder and previous Mike Seibert Radio uh, interview guest, uh, Colin Douglas. Um, He says, uh, there are a huge number of fans on the West Coast, and we are very excited to provide a memorable experience catered to longtime fans, collectors, and first-time attendees. Uh, Burbank will uh, provide an ideal location, accessibility to transportation, and an abundance of leisure and tourism opportunities nearby for fans to enjoy. So, that's all fine and great. 
Here's the problem. Uh, Emerald City Comic Con is also that same weekend here in Seattle. And tickets just went on sale like last week. Um, So that's what the priority became for folks because it's one of those things very similar to San Diego Comic Con or PAX or you know any of these larger conventions like you have to be mindful of when those those passes go on sale when tickets go on sale and you got to move with the quickness otherwise you'll be left behind so a lot of folks were kind of in that priority mode um, also that's like a month before uh, Star Wars Celebration uh, back in Chicago, um, and I've already heard of several folks uh, not being able to go for one of those two reasons. Uh, that was, I, I, I saw a lot of posts on social media about that, but on the other hand, I saw, you know, uh, uh, another amount of folks that were saying that they're enthusiastic and, and are excited to go. Uh, for me, at least, I um I actually haven't bought any Comic-Con passes so I guess I'm not specifically tethered but I just feel like this is just way too close to this TFCon Chicago show that just ended. I mean, hell, I, I think TFCon Canada, uh, which is going to be happening in June in Toronto, is too close to this. I, uh, I, I don't know. I, uh, I, I love Transformers, uh, but I don't know if I have the uh, interest, enthusiasm, or quite frankly, resources uh, to go to several shows in a year. Um, And I can't help but feel like it kind of sucked some of the wind out of it being special that I went to this one in Chicago. Um, But on the other hand, I saw on Twitter like a week ago that uh, artist uh, Sarah Petra Duruche posted that all she wanted for Christmas was a Transformers convention in California. So so there's that. I don't know. Uh, This kind of reminds me a little bit. You know, it's kind of kind of apples and hand grenades here, but it reminds me a little bit of when uh, Disney thought it would be a good idea to put out a Han Solo movie nobody really wanted, like six months after uh, the Last Jedi. Um, I I hope this LA show is successful, and. I'll bet they're going to roll out some marquee guests. I mean, I bet you you're going to get a Peter Cullen, probably a Frank Welker, um, definitely a Flint Dilly. Oh, man, we're going to talk about Flint Dilly a lot when I when I get together with uh, Aaron Ryan and Caleb. Um, but, yeah, no, it's uh, I, I have no doubt that it is going to be a spectacular uh, a celebration of all things Transformers, especially Generation 1 Transformers, which seems to be all the rage, which, you know, for me is totally fine because that's uh, that's my jam. Uh, but I don't know. Um, you tell me, are you going to go? Uh, let me know what you think at Mike Seibert Radio and uh, keep an eye on my social medias for an announcement about when I'll be podcasting next uh, with the Autopod Decepticast. Uh, you know, we uh, <laughs> we spent pretty much the whole weekend together and yet we still have uh, plenty of stuff, tons of stuff uh, for us to still talk about. 
And that will do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. And if you'd like to listen to my past episodes, including all of my college radio shows, subscribe on SoundCloud, Google Podcasts, the Stitcher Radio app, Apple Podcasts, and on iTunes or wherever else you download your podcasts. Like, share, rate, and review the show wherever you find it. And if you'd like to leave a review on iTunes, five stars, please, I will read your review and give you a shout-out on the air. And if you're an independent artist and would like to be a guest on the show, let me know and I'll get you on the schedule. Uh, uh, don't be shy. <laughs> uh, same goes if you're interested in being a guest co-host on a future episode of the show. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mike Radio, and write into the mailbag, MikeSybertRadio at gmail.com. And again, the spelling on that is S-E-I-B-E-R-T, just like it sounds. I am not the Mars Rover guy, and I assure you that Sabertron is not my website. Total coincidence. For my guests, Brian Brown and Jim Simonic at TFCon Chicago, my name is Mike. This has been Mike Cyber Radio. And until next time, make good choices. I'm going back to bed. <laughs> <laughs>